Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good luck with your broadcasting career. This is Rock and Roll. To what is affectionately known as the uh, Justin Tipperick of podcasts, which is number seven. Well, Steph, how are we doing this week? Uh, yeah, Christmas, New Year, all that shit, isn't it? It's, uh, it's been a different one. I think I've fed up with saying I know. I've become that boring bloke in work who says it. Uh, it's been different. It's been, uh, stay safe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's done. It's out the way. 2021 feels a lot like 2020 at the minute. It's not been the uh, the reset we all wanted, is it? So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, and I think how's everything been? Next, oh, next, I think in the next 20, 25 minutes, it's going to change a bit more as well, isn't it? So we'll have to see how that goes. Probably uh, live reacting to what Boris has got to say, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the um, the overinflated sex doll with the uh, ego complex is coming on about 20 minutes into this. I mean, our guest on today is, is Scottish, I'm Welsh, you're living in Essex, so you don't want to make any difference to I don't give a fuck. You can no, say no. what he likes. I think, I think we all know what he's going to say, but we'll wait and see, I guess, isn't it? Anyway, our guest. Yeah, joining us this week um, on an emergency loan from the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. And on the promise he can drink what he likes and swear as much as he wants. So he's not playing up the Scottish stereotypes at all. <laughs> Ian fucking A joins us. How are you doing, Ian? How do you fucking do, gents? Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> How are we? All good, mate. All good. In these unprecedented times. You missed out that one. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same boat, though. Well, at least we know we're, we're not allowed to go out now. You know, Boris is now just jumping on Nicola's bandwagon. Leading, leading the way as usual off Scots, that's it. Unless it comes to the Six Nations table. <laughs> Only if you oh, flip it upside oh, down. Oh, he's getting in early, he's getting in early. Oh, well, shall we just discuss the, the, the last ones, Billy? I was going to say, yeah. I'd say, fuck all about Six Nations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have got Grand Slams, though. We're still the reigning Five Nations champs. <laughs> Forever etched um, in stone. Um, so, well, obviously, Steph has been a bit of a... Mixed week with uh, news in rugby. We'll start off on probably a sour note a little bit for um, for Wales with uh, Jake Paul obviously having to leave. But uh, it's not it's a sour note in the sense of us losing him, but not sour note for himself. 
Yeah, it's, um, it's a big loss for us, I think, especially with the inevitable. I know people don't like it when I mention this on you or on Twitter, but Alwyn Jones is, is going to retire, I think, in the summer. He's a very least he's not got long left regardless. Uh, people don't like acknowledging the fact of Alan Wynn's mortality. Um, for me, he's been out of in-form second row. He's the quality every time he's, he's pulled out his shirt. Obviously, as you've mentioned, I'm a Scarlet fan myself as well, so it's been great to watch him sort of regional and international level. So, um, yeah, it's a sad one, as they say, for us. For him, it's a chance to get back to a little bit of normality, I suppose. His family have gone back to Australia. He's not met his... Uh, two months old, I, I think by now, uh, child yet. He's lived without his family for close on a year. I mean, that's not stopped any fucking idiots on Twitter saying that he's not Welsh enough and it's proven that he's a mercenary, despite the fact his father's Welsh and speaks Welsh. And it'll still stop one stop pricks on Twitter saying that he's done it for all the wrong reasons. So, you know, some guy in the run there has said that he's not Welsh. So yeah, fuck off, pal. But, um, yeah, we've I've gone in early with the rants again. I'm like, you have but yeah, it's a big loss for Wales and for the Scarlets. But Wales, especially with that, that second row has been a little bit up in the air anyway. So it's a massive one. Yeah, maybe yeah, uh, maybe Scotland can loan us some second rows because I think you guys got a lot of decent ones at the minute, haven't you? Um, yeah, it's actually hard to decide who's the the top pairing, and also um, we'll maybe talk about the game a bit more in depth. Although it was absolute crap, so we probably shouldn't. <laughs> the eighteen seventy two game, um, Richie Gray, uh, you know, back. Finally back playing, um, and he had a, a really good game against Edinburgh. You know, he stole a stuff few line outs within the first couple of minutes. He put a couple of big hits in. Um, so, and you know, obviously, I think he's he's the last Scott to um, appear in a Test match for the Lions. Um, Cummings has just been a revelation. Um, I think he's he started I think the last fourteen games for Scotland now, mm. um, and of course, we all, we all know what Johnny Gray brings. Uh, so yeah, you can maybe have a couple, but. Um, <laughs> Well, you, need, you need maybe find some parentage. Although, to be honest, like, I mean, the way the, the Scottish clubs are going, we're going to have fuck all players left at this rate. <laughs> well, you, you just did a perfect segue for me there because my next topic is Lions. You mentioned Richie Gray. Um, obviously, with the Lions tour at the minute, we're not sure what's going to be happening in the summer. What's your take on it? Do you, obviously, do you think it's, it's, it would be preferred to cancel it? Maybe look at having it in the UK? How would you How would you look at it? Um, I, I did see that Japan had tweeted about how excited they were to be playing at Murrayfield, but I was looking at it going, oh, I don't think so, lads. Um, I can't see it going ahead, to be honest. Um, and even if it did, it would be in an empty state, empty stadiums, which would you know, defeat the purpose, particularly, I think, you know, for the, the financial aspect of it. I don't think they'd, the, the Lions would be willing to go. Um as for you know South Africa coming and playing over here, I just it it kind of defeats the purpose of the, mm. the Lions for me. Uh, I saw somebody come up with theory maybe we could go play and we could play them in New Zealand or Australia, but you know again, there's would there be that much interest? And also, you know, New Zealand wouldn't let any any British and Irish fans in because we're <laughs> we're riddled with the COVID. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think the first two cases that New Zealand had after eradicating the virus completely were two Brits going over to a funeral, weren't they? Yeah. So they've learned their lesson then or anyone else in. Uh, it's a, I, the problem I think you've got is not only is it 
economically is fantastic for South Africa. So they'll be pinning quite a lot on that, not just within rugby and within the tickets. So obviously you're looking at hotels, you're looking at flights, you're looking at people going over there. I don't know what contracts, obviously, how breakable they are given the circumstances. So it's easy for us to all keep floating ideas about, oh, we can move here, we can move there. I don't like the idea of this home tour that got, got done anyway and we'll play at Twickenham and we'll play at Cardiff. That seems like utter bollocks to me. I think if we were going to do a tour and it couldn't be South Africa, then we'd, we'd look at maybe playing France. I'm, I'm glad I, I spunked like 100 and odd pound up the wall for the sake of two tickets to go to Murrayfield for me and my girlfriend because that that's looked like uh, money well spent at the minute. Yeah, Although I think um, our my friends present did... to myself from my mum's Christmas money, which I haven't Hello? got yet. Our friends did want to go to Edinburgh Zoo, so I might travel up and still see some lions anyway. But other than that, I think we're... Uh, we're a bit bollocks for watching uh, Japan play. Don't they have pandas as well? They're not very good at rugby. They used to, didn't they? I know there was a big thing. <laughs> well, I know at one point Scotland had more pandas than they did for the MPs. Which is... While we're chatting on news at the minute, the other big news story that came out this weekend, I wanted to word this properly because I don't think it's right in saying that a major league rugby player came out as gay because he didn't come out as gay. He's always been open. He's always been out. It's just the fact yeah. it was it was just made public in the rugby world, I suppose. The gentleman, as it was, um, Devin Ibanez, um, obviously props to him because at the end of the day, he's loving the sport. He's happy in himself. He's he's being who he is. But I don't think I don't think the way that the public has come out and the, the press, I suppose, have used it as though he's come out as a gay rugby player. Well, he hasn't because he's always been gay and he's been happy with that. Um, just your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's sort of made it a little bit more front and centre then. Mm. Um, as I say, he's always been out to sort of family and friends, but I think the Instagram post went up of him and his boyfriend. It's absolutely superb, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think for me, if I was, I was going to say young, but old as well, if you're, you're anyone involved in rugby, to see a player come out in a professional scenario as well and, and uh, be a gay pansexual, bisexual, whatever it might be, that little bit more acceptance, absolutely superb. And I know we'll go into something a little bit later on, uh, but in the during lockdown in the summer, we had that um, the racist storm that, that sort of blew up and then tied up within that, that little bit of uh, the homophobic undertones that went in a WhatsApp group. Um, so it's always been there, you know, the players who've come out previously of... Referees in Nigel's case that have taken a little bit of stick. It's great to see that uh, the response has been positive. Rugby, I think, has had an issue with sexuality and gender quite a bit this year. So it's another reason for me to look forward to watching the Free Jacks play as well, because they're one of the teams that are kind of pushing my loyalty that they said I would show towards Rugby United New York, because between them and the Toronto Arrows, it's been a little bit difficult to uh, give all my love to one team. I'm absolutely loving this. A young player coming through who's uh, not heterosexual then I'm sure it's great to see someone that you can look up to and someone who's smashed down those sort of toxic masculinity around it all as well and those stereotypes towards rugby being this masculine sport that's for manly men and the fact that you can't be a manly man if you're gay that seems to come up quite a lot and both of those things are utter bollocks. Mm. So it's uh, it's great to see a player take that up. Any your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, somewhat what you're saying there, you know, it's, it's this whole sort of, you know, the, the clubhouse mentality of, you know, blokey blokiness and... and as you, you straight said, toxic masculinity. Um, and you know, if it can, I, mean, I imagine that maybe put off, particularly in the olden, older days, it would put a lot of people off participating in the sport. And, you know, that's, 
you know, if people want to play the sport, they should be allowed to play the sport. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously it's thankfully in this day and age it's we're a wee bit more enlightened, although there's still a, a subsection of arseholes, um, which is no other word for them really, because it's just you know any kind of discrimination based on grounds of sexuality or race, or whatever, absolutely fucking abhorrent. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. Um, and if it can, you know, what's that phrase? If you can't see it, you can't be it. So you know, if gay people, you know, young gay men uh, or even women, uh, you know, look up to him and see there's a, a professional rugby player, um, I can do that too, despite my sexuality. Yeah. All the better for it. Yeah, agree. Any other news bits you want to pick up on, Steph? Yeah, um, especially now that we've got got Ian on the show today, is the uh, the news broke that Duan is uh, is off. He's going down to the English Premiership. I think Ian's probably better to talk about it than me, but it's quite a, quite a big news story, especially, I imagine, if you're a, a Scottish rugby fan. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a Glasgow fan, so I'm not too fussed to see the back him in some <laughs> respect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the guy's an absolute colossus. Uh, I remember the first time I saw him playing against Glasgow, he just brushed off Alex Dunbar like he wasn't even there, and that's Alex fucking Dunbar, you know what I mean? That's, that's a big, lumpy boy. Um, and he's his average carrying... Uh, Stats, you know, I mean, he's just a ferocious player. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of the, the issues surrounding Scottish rugby at the moment is we don't have any money, uh, and so we're losing all, all our best talent because there's Adam Hastings away to Gloucester as well. So now Glasgow only have Brandon Thompson as a recognised ten, and yeah, <laughs> I think it's the best way to say that. Because uh, we also we also saw that conversion against. Uh... Against dragons or non-conversion, should we say? Yeah, and did you see? Well, <laughs> and one against Edinburgh. Yeah, I, I didn't he did see it again. He did yeah. it again. Cause, I mean, that's you know, he's lining it up. I'm like, right, surely, shite and can't strike twice. Oh, for fuck, he's missed. It. You know, you didn't see the flags go <laughs> up. I'm like, oh, who's who's? No, no, Brandon. I mean, it all started. It was a game against dragons. Didn't Rodney Parade where we got beat, and he had a he had a shocker. Um, you know, he kept on missing touch with penalties. Uh, Booted a few out in the full, and you could just see his confidence just drop after that. Um, I saw him playing Super Six, you know, the semi professional uh, league mm-hmm. Scotland have. I saw him playing there a couple of times, and he never really stood out. Um, and he's only really in the squad at the moment. He's even forced into the squad because Hastings is out long term and injured. Peter Horn's out injured just now as well, even though I don't think Pete Horn should be playing at 10 because he's a 12. Mm. Um, but it's just symptomatic of. The, the the poor recruitment and mismanagement of the, the Glasgow Warriors in particular over the last couple of years. We've been, I've been having long Twitter rants uh, <laughs> with the guys about this yesterday. And um, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, when you think that we were the champions in 2015 and when we had the likes of Hogg and Russell and Dunbar and Johnny Gray and then we brought in Hugh Jones and then treated him terribly. Um, and then all these guys have gone and nobody none of them have been replaced or even come close to being replaced adequately. Um, and you're kind of going, where, where the fuck is the money going? You know, why, why can't we? All right, fair enough. You you can't go out and buy. We can't afford to go out and buy someone as good as Finn Russell because he's one of the best fly halves in the world. Uh, or you can't, you know, replace Stuart Hogg because he's a sort of once-in-a-generation talent as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at least try and adequately replace them and stop bringing back former players. That's another thing that's pissing me off. We keep just bringing back guys, guys who during that time were deemed not good enough and take it, you know, moved away from the club 
we just bring them back now for, for the nostalgia lows. It's not, it's not improving the team. No. I, it's a particular worry as well that when you've only got two teams to run, that when, well, let's be honest, they're both sort of understocked. And especially when you look at sort of Edinburgh, have got quite a few players who are not Scottish in there. And so, yeah, you've got to wonder what that does for the national side as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. We'll, we'll drag that in because i got a, a question that I'd like to ask. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a big one today. I, we talked about it during the, the COVID Cup. That there were many players that really stood out, but I think he was one of the ones that really did. Like, every time he picked the ball up, you thought, oh, something could happen. You, you, he's at least going to make ground. I mean, it's a massive loss. The, the Italy game... You know, he he had to when we were a bit under the caution, we were we were behind. I think we were still behind at the point. Uh, he had to chase back and take take a grubber from his own like five meters from the try line. You know, like in coffin corner, he just blasts past a hooker, <laughs> fends off a lock, and you know then your centre field at you know in the just inside the twenty two. I mean, Hogg can boot it away. Um, yeah, he's he's an absolute monster. Um, and we're glad to have him uh, in, in dark blue at least. But there there is a way to Worcester. Um, I. With all due respect to Worcester, I don't think he'll be there long, um, unless he turns them into a, you know, a sort of European pushing side. Uh, but you can't do that single-handedly. I, I think bigger names will come circling. Um, but I just don't think the SRU could afford to keep him. No, I get the I get the impression that although he obviously he started his international career before um, Josh Adams did. I think he'll have the effect on Worcester like Josh Adams did. So he'll have two years there where he'll be classed, he'll score loads of trials, he'll be near the top stats, etc. And then someone, like you said, someone, whether it'll be a, a team in France or whether it'll be a, a, a I suppose on name, a Bath, a, a Leicester, a Sale, whoever, come and get him instead and obviously pay money for him because they'll want him in their side. I thought you dropped Bath in there, so we were talking about top teams. <laughs> um, teams. <laughs> I would say as well, obviously, he doesn't have to do it on his own at Worcester because they think him we are still there. Like, However, he's out of contract. Is he in the summer? Oh, well, there we go. I read this yesterday. I did not know this. I read this yesterday. He's out of contract, I believe. And there's another one rumoured to be coming back to Glasgow. <laughs> there we go. Minus the hair. Yes, minus the hair. Make, <laughs> make a bit more streamlined, so that's all right. No, that's it, that's it. Um, obviously, let's go, go on then to the games from the weekend. Let's start with the, with the Prem. Um. Steph, we'll start with the game probably that gave you uh, mixed emotions on, on, on New Year's Day, first of all, because it was Bristol against Newcastle. So two sides that you look, look, look for when you support and uh, when you've got close links to it. Yeah, uh, it was it was a no-lose for me. I knew no matter what uh, what happened, I was going to be happy at the end. And it was a good game again as well. Like These two teams that keep delivering week on week so far, to be fair. It was a shame that uh, Newcastle lost their, their unbeaten run like we kind of guess it'd have to end at some point. But, um, yeah, it was a brilliant game. A few things that stood out. Uh, Bristol scoring the best try of the season that won't count because yeah. that was absolutely world-class. And then, they, they, to be fair, the offload is forward. But uh, Bristol had 36% possession in that game. They were under the cosh for most of it. The Falcons are taken to the Premiership so well. I think the fact that they've wrote off the Challenge Cup, I know... Um, some people were, but it is a bit of a pointless cup as far as I'm concerned. I know Bristol won it last year and, you know, it was nice to see them win uh, sort of on the way up. But the Falcons have decided that they don't really care as much about the Challenge Cup as they do about staying in a Premiership, which is absolutely the right call, if you ask me. And 
they put Bristol under so much pressure. And this is a good Bristol side. I think it speaks volumes for how good Newcastle have been. But it was a, a good game, expressive, open, what we've seen from teams. And this is where um, I, I think the, the mentality in the Premiership is a little bit different to the Pro 14 at the minute with regards to the new laws and the way they've adapted. I know they've got the money and the players to adapt a little bit better, but I think 90% of his mindset, mm. and they seem to be willing to play that sort of more high-risk, high-reward game. And it make, it's making it for far more entertaining. This weekend was proof of how much more entertaining it is. And then, um, from my point of view, great to see George Kloska come through, 21-year-old hooker, 19 tackles, scored a try, four carries, absolutely superb for a 21-year-old. Great to see him do it for the club. I hope that he doesn't make it internationally to do it because uh, if he's doing it for England, they'll look less happy, I think. <laughs> Just touching on Bristol from my, my point of view, though, obviously, like the, the front row you mentioned, Steph, but that, the whole of that front row for Bristol had never made a start in the Premiership. Obviously, there's, they've lost six They lost six of their front row um, squads because of COVID. One I, think, one, I believe, had symptoms or confirmed case and the other six because of close contact. Um but the, I don't think it's very often that you say this. The game changed when they brought a prop on, because because the dominance that, that that Newcastle had up front was remarkable. But that completely changed when they bring brought Carl Sinclair on, because he just he himself just demolished that scrum. Obviously, shows the international class, the Lions class that he's got. Um, because we, if you look at from the 48th minute onwards. It just looked like there was only going to be one team that won it. Was, was going to win it, and they did. I disagree, as you, as I'm sure you knew I would. Yeah, you about you saying that. about about a front row player being the surprise to change a game. I think that happens quite often. I think you, I would argue that, uh, especially tight end is the most important position on the pitch. So I'm going to disagree massively with you on that one. But they oh, yeah. say six players. Out with COVID, that's on top of the injuries as well at yeah. the Bays ad. And sort of Ari Thacker was a contender for player of the season for me last year. I thought he was absolutely superb. And I think under any other course, he probably would have had an international call. I think his size goes against him a little bit, but he's been absolutely superb. So when you look at the players they had out, it's no surprise that, that Newcastle matched them up front. But yeah. again, Newcastle team coming into the Premiership first year up there, I think it's been it's been superb. Ironically, as well. Um, I forgot his name. The okay, George Kloska. Uh, Kloska's <laughs> debut was against Newcastle. Yeah. So yeah, so to come on and have a game like he did, so obviously uh, throwbacks from that first game. But he looked absolutely superb to me. Yeah, um, then obviously moving on to the Saturday. Um, the first game was Wasps against Exeter. Um, yeah, nice to see Exeter lose. Uh, yeah, I'm not their biggest fan. Um, again, I, I missed that one because I was watching the old firm. Um, yeah, um, well, actually, when I was uh, I sat in on the, the press conference call about um, the 1872 game, I directly asked Danny Wilson if it was... If, I don't know if he heard this rumour, but there was rumours that Glasgow were going to make a complaint about Exeter um, okay. in breach of COVID protocols because we ended up having to cancel... Um, the 18, the first leg, what was meant to be the first leg of the 1872 game, due to four of our team members catching COVID often, um, and also, you know, I don't, I don't approve of their club imagery. Uh, but I, I mean, especially because they've been so dominant, 
um, and seemingly unbeatable. You know, to I mean, it wasn't um, from what I've seen. You know, it wasn't a first string squad exactly. They put it, um, but kind of like Leinster, they have that particular way of playing, which they know gets results, and it's kind of breed, you know you expect that to sort of breed right through. Um, so it's you know it's a thumping victory for Wasps. Um, and you know, fair play to them. Oh, well, I absolutely loved uh, watching again. I, I've got the same problems as they now. I hate the the imagery around the club. I don't like the way Tony Rose become a little bit of a villain lately. I don't like certain things that they've done. Um, they did have a lot of players out uh, rested, but I'm pretty sure the Wasps gave them a bit of a tune in at the recall last season as well, didn't they? I think um, it was a, a close game in the final, but I'm sure. I think they played. Yeah, I think they played the last or the last. It was the last one or, or the last game of the season, the regular season, and let uh, extra because they were guaranteed a home semi anyway. I think they rested everyone and they got spanked. Forty-six five. Yeah, they got spanked. They beat them last. But uh, weeks, was it two or three weeks later? Then they played them in the final and beat them. Easy from the start, and they were without players as well. Um, Barbary was out and they lost Jack Willis at half time. So, you know, that's that's a two big back row players to lose. So, yeah, fair play. The Wasp was a hell of a result. It was a great game to watch. Um, then, obviously, we went on to the uh, Gloucester sale game. Um, there's a lot, a lot of talking points on that, and it all happens in the last 10 minutes, I think, doesn't it? Well, there's only, there's only two things worth talking about for me, and neither one of them has to do with the result of the game, really. So there's uh, the Dupree year out. Yeah. And then there's uh, the water boy deciding that he wants to be involved in the game. So let's, let's go on the first point. Red card? <laughs> Big ban? <laughs> oh, clear as day. I mean, how the hell the TMO has not pulled that up is just absolutely fucking beyond me. Um, I don't see... The whole motivation behind that action was to hurt Chris Harris. The tackle was complete. His knees were on, you know, both knees had hit the ground. Yeah. I mean, if he if he holds on for a second, he'd, you know, he would have been first there. He could have been in a, a turnover winning position. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, he's always dive-bombed his shoulder into the back of Harris's head. Um, and it's, it's absolutely shocking that, you know, especially with, I mean, how many times are we going to have to sit here and go, players need more protection? You know, particularly we've got these concussion uh, lawsuits happening. Mm-hmm. It's an appalling challenge, and you know it's, it's another moment when you're like, "What's the point of the TMO if he's not going to not flag that and pull it up?" Because um, it's extremely dangerous. Uh, and then you know Harris has had to go for an HIA eventually. Um, but how's how's it been missed? Like you're watching that game, and it's quite close, nip and tack. They are attacking it like in or around the, the Gloucester 22 constantly for a good five minutes or so. And that's a chance for Gloucester to clear their lines. And they don't, because they don't get given the penalty, which they should have. And then just even if it's a minute, like a, a breathe and get it up the pit, pit to the other, at the other end of the pitch for like a minute or so. But because that doesn't happen, then there's, I think, I think this, there's a knock on just after there's a scrum from the scrum, sale win the line out, uh, win the penalty. They kick the, to the corner from the, from that resulting line out. They then score the try with Josh Bowman, which ends up being the winning try. Now, they say it's a call and they say it's objective because the TMO has decided himself. But surely calls like that, he's there to go, we need to watch it as a, like they should watch it as a group in the sense of, because what he's done there for me is he's, is he's thrown Carl Dixon under the bus. 
because Carl Dixon will get loads of stick for that. And someone might say quite rightly, because he's a ref, blah, 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 and he should be looking. But if he's told there's nothing to look at, same with Ron Poact when it comes to the, the, the game in the autumn where the one I think it was Josh Adams was taken out in the air. Um, the TMO said that you need to check this. As he said, no. If one of them says something needs to be checked, they should check it. And it was quite refreshing to see that in the the, the Leicester game um, on Leicester and Bath game yesterday, because there was something that I think it was the knock on for Matt Scott. Wayne Barnes was adamant that he'd seen it and it was a knock on, and the TMO came in and went, "No, you need to watch it." So, whoever, however it is, whether it's a line or whether it's the TMO, if someone says something needs to be watched, it needs to be looked at. Now, I know it's harder for the ref because maybe he called it and may not have seen it live. Surely that's going to get because it was played straight away on replay. The TMO would have seen it, and there's screens in most stadiums, so someone would have seen it. Surely someone's going to go. You need to look at that, like on the pitch or whatever. Apparently Harris did after he was told he needed to go for his HRA, but he was about a minute and a half, two minutes gone, and you can't go back then. So it's, my my problem I've got is that we seem to be seeing this every week now. Every week there seems to be an incident that looks nailed on and obvious, and there's a player taking another player's fucking head off. And in the current climate, where we should be taking head injuries more serious than we ever have, where there's a lawsuit like looming over every stadium in the country, something as clear as that to let mm. that go seems absolutely ridiculous. And all right, I know people will say, oh, well, his body position changes, but then so does Dupree's. Dupree drops yeah. further. It looks like he's got enough time to pull out of that tackle. I know he's been sighted, and so we've got to look at that. But this, I say, this keeps happening every week. And if we're going to keep getting it this wrong, then rugby deserves everything is fucking got coming to it. Because if they keep getting it this badly wrong on head injuries, well, we've got players in their 30s and 40s complaining they've got early onset dementia because of it, and we still can't get that right. Like, this isn't something that's happening within rugby circles where fans know about it. Like, this is national news now. This is things that are happening that's on the main news on telly. So we need to be squeaky clean on this. And I'm, I had tweets on, on Saturday after this incident saying, how is this still happening? I thought rugby was sorting this out. To get that wrong, and like, as badly wrong as that, it's clear cut. Especially See, when, was it a week, maybe two weeks before you had the incident with Tom Wood and... and uh, it's literally every week, mate. Yeah. Every week there's something happening where there's a shot to the head that looks clear as day and yet nothing's been done about it. And I spent time talking about the Lydia one and then for that to happen the day out, it's, it, that blows out of the water. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't believe. There was another dodgy clear out in that game as well. I think was it was it Ruin Ackerman that did it? Yeah. yeah. One shoulder charging straight into a rock as well. And, and I was just like, there's no attempt to use the arms at all. How you know? It's just mad. And you know, the, I think the players. I, I don't know if you know is or you know harsher disciplinary actions going to going to change them. But the players need to realise they have a duty of care to their fellow professionals yeah, as well, okay. and they they need their attitude to change. I think that, that needs to be a big thing is the players need to be held accountable beyond just you're having four weeks off. And I think to some extent as well, we need to hold officials accountable for making bad decisions, mm-hmm. whether that be they put on suspension for a couple of weeks. And if you're a professional, you don't get paid well, tough, tough tits, mm-hmm. because you've you've had that opportunity and you've massively messed that up. And yeah, the, the standard of officiating on things like this to be talking about every week just isn't good enough at the moment. And I think what's something... Well, you get in trouble. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
especially when you're potentially putting people's safety for, you know, you, you, you're risking people's health by making bad decisions. I think what summed it up perfectly in the end was the fact that um, Van, oh, sorry, Dupree got not even sight, not, not even like a, a TMO look or anything or any card or any discussion with the referee for his no arms tackle on the back of the head of Chris Harris. However, um, John Ross got a yellow card for a no arm shoulder on someone's shoulder. Like it just sums it up. Like he's not going to damage his head. He's not going to damage him. He's not. No, like to put it in layman terms, he's not going to give him dementia from hitting his shoulder, is he? But the thing that woke me up more is that we're watching a game on Sunday where they're kicking yeah. off. Austin Ely's kicking off because it's not a yellow card for a deliberate knock on. Yeah. And you went, hang on, like everyone's making excuses for people clearing out or making tackles at their height. But then kicking off for a no yellow, like let, let's get a bit of perspective. You're like, okay, I know a potential knock-ons can ruin a try and ruin a game, but it's not ruining a life. Like no. these tackles have got got the potential to do. It's, it's it's as you can probably tell, it's winding me up because every week you seem to be having this and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I, I know I don't want to talk about it, but let's talk about it. The Leicester Bath game on on Sunday. Before we go into that. Oh I yeah! Oh, it. Bobby Boucher. I forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, I went into the kitchen to get a drink, and in the meantime, I had a text saying, "Have you just seen that that Gloucester kickoff?" So I got straight back all in to have a look. Absolutely bizarre. I I don't think I've seen an incident quite there. Um, there was an exit the game that uh, descended into a brawl about two seasons back, where Ari Williams got sent off despite being on the bench. Yeah. Because he got involved in a scuffle because yeah. he was warming up at the time. Yeah. But that was by far the weirdest I think I've seen. It was, it added a bit of spice. It was great to watch. And I know it was only ambags. And I can't see like people are kicking off about the alleged Ed Butt and, and what's Marlon Yard doing. I can't see anything that untoward. It was absolutely ridiculous for the water carrier to touch that ball. And it was the right thing to get rid of him. Even worse was Billy Twelve. She's so reacting. If I miss coach, I'd be going fucking mental at that mm. because he's he's cost them their position in that game. He's cost them. You've got to do better, especially a player with that much experience and that much influence to make that sort of a mistake that late in the game. And then, obviously, didn't stop because afterwards, then Ben Curry put up his Instagram post, which, if I'm honest, I thought was quite funny. <laughs> I think I, I'm all for a little bit of low-level shit at Rosary. I, I've got absolutely no problem with that. I did say he was misjudged because I, he always knows he's going to get shit for that. If you put that up, yep. you're always going to get some sort of, of backlash. And then, obviously, certain um, jumped-up sons of directors on social media with questionable histories on social media themselves, calling out people um, who actually made the player look better, I thought, the... Um, putting up the, the so-called private message, but there's about 15 identical tweets that went out anyway, saying, I've apologised, I've taken it down, I'm sorry, it was misjudged. But, um, yeah, it made for an interesting uh, made for an interesting night. What did you make of the uh, Bobby Boucher incident? Um, quite amusing, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think so. You know, you just like, a, you know, a good old, well, was it a proper good old tear-up? But, um, yeah, that's, Sale have got a bit of a, Still getting a bit of a reputation for social media shithousery. And, you know, that one on Mike Brown was hilarious because Mike Brown's a bit of a knob. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, a, it was quite a bizarre incident. You know, it's 
it's a time wasting tactic that we've we've seen and well, we've lots of different you know there's everyone always goes on about rugby values and all this pitch and how you know oh it's a gentleman's game and all that but people will do people will always try and cheat and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that was obviously a blatant kind of time wasting decision for a water boy to do it. Uh from not involved in the match was was interesting. Um it, it was what it was, but like you said, you know, for twelve weeks to react the way he did. Um, was, I mean, was was he captain? I think he's club captain. Did at Gloucester, isn't he? I think if he comes, yeah. I mean, I suppose you know, with the game, there's, emotions are probably already running high because he's seen what's happened to Chris Harris. Yeah, uh, it's a very tight game. Um, but I, you know, who, who doesn't if, like a bit? Who doesn't like a bit of handbags every now and then? And if you're that water carrier, suddenly you've gone from I've I've. That was great. I'm actually going to touch and stop a quick line now to suddenly I'm a legend because it's turned to a penalty. Like I've just won my team a game without yeah, yeah. even being named in the match day 23. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. And then, yeah, we move on to, to Leicester Bath, which was a joyful of games, being a Cardiff Blues fan who likes Bath. I think it was a game that stereotypically doesn't get one on paper because I think if you look on paper, that's probably the strongest team Bath's been able to pick all season and couldn't live with Leicester. There was, they couldn't handle the high bombs from George Ford. Um, they couldn't had, handle the power that came um, from the likes of Ellis Genge, from the likes of Visa. Um, yeah, it was not a bit of a frustrating Sunday afternoon, to be honest, because I was quite looking forward to that game. And uh, to come up with a defeat wasn't ideal. Well, I think early on, for me, it looked like it was going to be a run-in for Bath, they were just going to walk it over. Leicester's defence in the first half was about the worst defence I've ever seen. Like the first, is that, was the first try or the second try? No, the first try was the, the funny one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah, so it was the second, yeah, the first one is like Keystone Cops. I don't I have no idea what the Tigers are doing, where Young's breakthrough, everyone follows him, but he hasn't got the ball. It was utterly bizarre. And then the second try, the defence just opens up so much. Like, you could drive a fucking Arctic lorry through the middle of there. It was absolutely horrific. And I thought, oh, my God, Leicester are in for a, in for a tune in you. And I don't care much for either team, if I'm completely honest, so I didn't care either way. But it felt like Bath were, were absolutely going to run away with it. And then fair play to, to Leicester, they just slowly chipped away and built their way back into it. I thought Ellis Genge was absolutely superb for them. He carried unbelievably well. His scrummaging, you know, was nowhere you're going to get. He was abs, but it was, again, another good, exciting game in a premiership. Yeah. Right up until it was done and until they, you knew what you were getting out of that game. It was close enough to be tense. It was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Except because it's always an accept, because I'm a miserable bastard. Uh, for the second time in, what, about a month, we've got Falato again, yeah. taking a hit to the head, clearly going down, the physio coming on to check him, acknowledging that he's taken quite a heavy hit to the head. He's obviously struggling, and they tell him to play on, and then within five minutes, he's taken off from HIA. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I can scream... At my telly, just take him fucking off in the first place, which seems like the common sense thing to do. And uh, I'll make jokes about it and I'll put things on Twitter, but like, let's take players off before someone dies. Like, that'd be yeah. quite nice. Before we get into that, where someone takes two massive knocks to the head and doesn't get back up ever, can we just take them off? 
like I know Falatau's important to your team. I know he's important to your game plan, even if you're playing him out of position. But like, yeah, if we can just not kill him, that'd be fucking great. And if we can not kill anyone else as well, that'd be superb. Yeah, did you watch that game? Did, what did you make? Uh, yeah, that, that was a fantastic match, and, and like you're saying, you know, I thought, you know, when Bath opened up that lead, you're like, all right, this is done. Then there was that kind of bizarre bit towards the end of the half when time yeah. seemed to have run out on the B the BT <laughs> clock. But then, yeah. so I was looking at, it, I was like, what? Why is that clock red? And why is why are they kicking off again? What's going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought uh, Freddie Stewart. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, young guy, he's he's got a real talent. Um, as well, uh, George Ford. Uh, I thought that was, I don't know, of of the few times that I, I maybe catch lesser games live. Um, I, I thought he had an excellent game. Uh, distribution, uh, you know, he made, he made that first drive for Stewart, kicked from hand very well, and somebody kicking off the tee, he slotted a bunch of really hard kicks. Um, even that one at the end of the half, you know, forty six meters out, tight yeah. tight to the touchline. That's a fantastic kick. Um, yeah, but it was a, it was a hell of a game. Um, but I, Falato, I mean, Toby Falato is one of my favourite number eights in the world. Um, such great hands from the the back of the scrum. Mm. You know, he's a good good offloader. You know, he gets about. Um, and but you know, he's he's always getting injured. And now if it's people know that I don't, has he got a history of concussions? Usually, it's you know the rest of his body that's it's falling always apart. Always broken arms, and he's had an arm, yeah. an ankle, ankle or knee as well before. I think, but arm was the bigger he's, one. He's yeah, done just about everything. I think they've rebuilt him like Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, not they must have scrimped on it then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the WIU. We haven't got that much money. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a shame to see him going off. But like you were saying, you know. If, the, the the catchphrase the SRU use up here is if in doubt set them out yeah um, yeah and I mean I've seen I think the most horrific example of uh, a, a team doctor just being like oh, no, he's fine let him play on um, Glasgow were playing Munster a few years ago in Europe and Connor Murray has taken uh, Tim Swinson's carried into him and he's you know as Murray's going to tackle him too high Swinson's battled him in the face with his arm Murray has decked it and stayed face down for a good couple of seconds Doctor comes on, goes, nah, he's fine. Um, and then a few phases later, Josh Strauss sees Murray just in the middle of the park. That's Josh fucking Strauss. And he's just like, right, I'm having him. And he's just fucking, so like, I'm watching the stands, he's going, he's going to absolutely kill that guy. He will literally murder him if he hits him. And he just fucking piled into him. Um, but it, it was clear as day that he was, you know, mm. if, if you're motionless face down, I think you you have to go off for an HIA. Um, I don't. I think you know. Maybe you have to get to the stage where there's maybe an independent doctor or someone who's watching it, or maybe it should fall under the TMO's remit mm. to to say, look, that guy has to go off because I'm pretty sure I've seen referees telling players, nah, you've you took a whack in the head there. You have to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it was the independent doctor who makes makes the call because it doesn't seem to be. Anyone at the bath phase or anything, and it's this, this is the second time. I'm, I think the, the, the if in doubt, sit them out as well. Came from uh, Ben Robinson, the young Northern Irish boy so. who was playing school rugby and took a second knock and died. And uh, it, it's a genuine concern. I asked this HIA at least and came back on because the, the last time against it was a Scarlet's game, I think when he failed. Yeah. So, like, who knows what damage could have been done so we can be. Be grateful. And the last thing we'll mention on, on, on the premiership is just in relation to that is something I read about half an hour before I came on the pod is um, 
wasped with Kibarigi. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but he obviously got knocked out in the sale game. He's perfectly fine being passed all his checks. He's gone through training. He's would be classed as fit for this game. But Wasps have taken the decision that he's going to miss another week just to make sure that everything, everything's fine. They give him an extra week to be able to get back, obviously, to, to fight him fit. Because I think that's steps, whoever they are, whatever level of player, whether they're a Lions, whether they're the captain of your club, if they've had a bang on the head, I think the extra time, whether it's a week, a month, whatever's needed, needs to be done to obviously prolong their career and prolong their life when they get older, I suppose. Yeah, it's a common sense approach. I say I'd, I'd rather lose a player for a couple of weeks than the catastrophic outcome we could have if we didn't. Mm. So, as a rugby fan, I'm more than happy to accept that a player can't play this week or next week rather than keep trying to put it. And I've got massive issues with this and I know it's going into the legal case, but we keep talking about player welfare, but we're not seeing a lot of it actually. No, I agree. And then we move on to the um, the Irish games at the weekend. Um, I know, obviously, we've all said that we did, none of us watched the Leinster game. Um, we missed so a good talk, one. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I, I only watched about the last 15, 20 minutes of the Munster Ulster game because I, I was watching the, the Prem games this week um, and the way that the times all worked out. I think I caught the end of the Munster game um, when the Gloucester game finished. Um, but what did you make of that? Uh, well, yeah, I missed it as well. I'm carrying on my um, into 2020 when my bad run of missing shocks from 2020 after I slept through the Pumas All Blacks game as well. Decided that ah, I'm not gonna for that, it's gonna be so one sided. So, um, yeah, I done the same. I thought ah, I'm not gonna watch Leinster win again when his other games on. So, I decided to watch Premiership games all day and then pick my phone up and then so I've had it. Leinster lost uh, the one time I didn't watch. So, it's a bit of a, not a bit of a shock. It's a massive shock for them to lose that again, even with players resting. But Connacht are having a good season. I mean, all four of the the provinces are having a good season. To be fair, and you know, you you look at the league and it's starting to open up. And I know it'll it'll bring up other things like uh, wage caps and and the amount of money being thrown into into the Irish provinces, and it is showing a little bit. So maybe it's not as big a shock as it at first looks on paper. It's only a matter of time before a team loses. I don't think we ever expect a team to go completely unbeaten every season. No. But um, yeah, it was. I'm sorry, Lens, the fans, but it was nice to see. It was nice to see him lose to, to someone, and it was nice to see Connaught get a win. I'd rather have been a Welsh region, unless it was a Blues, because then you wouldn't have fucking stopped talking about it. But. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, a bit of a shot, and then obviously uh, Munster against Ulster never really looked like doing anything. I know we've had Patricia on a couple of weeks back, who will uh, the most pessimistic person for every Ulster game I've they've ever played, and so she probably would have called it. But could we get another surprise on Friday? Ulster have started particularly well. They've got Leinster this week. Will that be a surprise? They're unbeaten. Well, this is the thing. They were unbeaten. Leinster are not now. Mm. So, uh, could they could they do it again? Or are Leinster going to come out like a angry bay and look to kill the next team that they see? <laughs> um, Ian, obviously, the Munster game, did you watch much of that game? Um, obviously, um, maybe scouting for your future future 10, I'm guessing, with Ben Healy possibly coming to Glasgow. Um, as far as I'm, I know, that's not happening. No. Um, yeah. Well, um, it's a, a source, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> Healy 
as far as I know, sees himself as Irish. You know, and he's obviously played age grade rugby for Ireland. Um, and why the hell would you want to join Glasgow at the moment? That's the other thing. Um, I, I caught I caught a bit of it, but I, I found it a bit dull. Um, I've seen the tries and stuff, but uh, you, you kind of know that it's going to be an arm wrestle with these two guys. Um, and obviously, you're given conditions. You know, you're not not expecting free flowing rugby and stuff. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing with Connacht. Connacht are probably my favourite team to watch in the Pro 14 at the moment. You know, they've Jack Carty um, from the little highlight reels I've seen. Um, he seemed to have had an absolute blinder. Mm. Uh, when they played uh, Glasgow the opening round of the season, they scored a couple of wonderful tries. Um, you know, they're, they're a good side to watch. Uh, and I mean, but at the moment, it's, I mean, uh, if, <laughs> this is a big if, if there is playoffs at all, there's a high likelihood we'll end up with, if it's possible, to the four Irish teams would all be yeah. in the same. Um, yes. So streets ahead to everyone. I mean, even the, the Munster team that they put out, I mean, that's a, a young team they put out against Ulster and they, they, went, they certainly went toe-to-toe with them and managed to sneak the, the um, losing BP at the end. Yeah, because that was no, nowhere near full strength for Munster, was it? Nowhere near? No, no, it was a bunch of kids mainly. Um, so I was impressed with them. Um, Ulster, I mean, Dan McFarland, when he was at Glasgow, he did a wonderful job as forwards coach. Um, you know, our mall defence, that, that was sort of big criticism of Glasgow before they, they started winning stuff was defensively looked a bit soft. Um, but then, you know, he, he turned it around. Mall uh, defence and mall attack uh, is his sort of specialty. And we started you know, really improving in that aspect. And I watched the, the Ulster-Edinburgh game a couple of weeks ago and Ulster scored like five tries from malls. <laughs> you know, even if they had easy pots at goal, they were just like, we, we've got these guys on toast. Yeah. But to the corner... Um, you know, one penalty after penalty that way. Uh, got, I think, two players, two Edinburgh players ended up getting yellow carded for infringements at lineouts. And you know, you, it's harder to defend with 14, as we all know. So it, was, it ended up being an absolute cakewalk for Ulster um, to look really strong. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about uh, conditions being sort of adverse to, to teams, but Connacht have played some nice rugby this year, and I can't think of any stadium worse than fucking Galway's Grey Old Stadium, <laughs> which is, it makes Parker Scarlet's look like the Bahamas. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, I mean, there was a game a couple of years ago, Pete Horn's got a pretty kick to, kick to the sticks for a penalty, and it's going to split in the posts, gust of wind, just goes, fucking no, you don't, back it, you go. Yeah. <laughs> So extra, but like I, I think they should have double points for any try they say that's flowing rugby because this the Ulster Munster game it wasn't the most exciting. I watched some of it, and I honestly, if I completely honest, I ended up at one point looking at videos of Lou Sanders roller skating on TikTok. So that's how disappointing that got that my girlfriend had sent me. So what I will say is Lou Sanders roller skating on TikTok is very enjoyable, and she's pretty good. <laughs> Well, for me, I uh, I had unfortunately neglected my son, I suppose, because he was with me at the weekend and uh, he was play- watching a bit of YouTube on the telly. He was playing the odd bit of uh, Fortnite with his mates and I sat there and watched three games back to back on my laptop or two games back to back on my laptop, should I say. Um, and then I gave in and decided not to watch the Leinster game because I watched the masked singer with him. Um because he said, can we do something together? So we watched The Masked Singer, which wasn't the greatest piece of television, but I suppose it's enjoyable, enjoyable for 
family fun and kids. So yeah, I, I uh, missed Linster because I was watching Mel B pretend to be a seahorse. <laughs> what else do you do for Saturday night? Well, exactly. Yeah. Just is, a stand. Is, is Rita Ora a judge on that? Or yeah. Like, I, can't, yeah. I mean, that's a reason to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome um, to the Bass Singer podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Although I will say there is one person that was on there that hasn't been unmasked this week that I nailed straight away and I knew exactly who it was. But I've never watched it. Um, I think I've like sort of been flicking through the jazz and going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> no. It's one of those things you say, like, someone slipped something in my drink. Like, is this actually fucking happening? <laughs> it just reminds me, have you ever seen The Flaming Lips live? Yeah. They, they're always getting people to jump on with like shark costumes and stuff. They had Justin Timberlake on top of the pops in a shark costume pretending to play the bass for them <laughs> one point years ago. Just sort of reminds me of that. I, I don't fully understand how the mask singer works though. That's that's my issue with it. Okay. I've seen it and I was I so if they guess, are they still in? Are they out? Are they I'd like it's too convoluted for my fucking brain. It's like trying to work out the Champions Cup this year. I ain't gonna fucking clear what's going on. No, I'm just watching for the lols. It's, it is confusing. They've, they've had two weeks so far, and there's 12 down to 10. But <clears throat> anyway, let's, we digress. Let's move on. Um, well, I think we found the name of this week's part, anyway, because I was watching Mel B.B. a seahorse. It's, yeah. it's not <laughs> going to be beaten, of course. <laughs> um, so we move on to the 1872 Cup from, from the weekend. Um, obviously, Edinburgh beat in Glasgow 10-7. All points in the last 15 minutes, 15, wasn't it? Yeah, the last 15 minutes. Um Edinburgh, well, we've already discussed Brandon Thompson's attempt at goal. Uh, Edinburgh, like, were just kept on knocking back. Like, Jakob Vanderbilt's got a pretty thunderous boot on him, um, as you've maybe seen. Um, but he kept on just knocking back opportunities to go for the six and take the three. They kept on going to the line. Um, and I don't think that was the best idea, not when you've got fucking, you know, six foot nine Richie Gray <laughs> and, and Scott Cummings, who is an excellent line out jumper as well. Like, I think I watched a game we had him against Zebra a couple of years ago and he nicked four of their line outs. <laughs> so I don't think it's the wisest decision. Um, it was pretty turgid. Um, what you could see is, you know, Glasgow especially um, in the first half, you know, Edinburgh must have had, I've not got the stats here, but Edinburgh must have had something like 67% territory. Um, Glasgow defended the line valiantly. But you get, you know, I couldn't help but get the feeling if that was an Ulster or a Leinster or a Munster, they're going to battle their way over because they always get, get over the line from close range. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've seen Edinburgh and Glasgow and Scotland <laughs> uh, time and time again fail to convert chances like that. Um as well, there's just so many errors in the match. Uh, there's, I mean, when Edinburgh have been playing without Jakob van der Valken's in Scotland duty, they've had young Nathan Chamberlain in. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, he's only played a couple of games. They, they don't seem to have their, their attacking set plays um, worked out properly. Um, and it was it was a pretty shitty game. Um, and another thing we had, they, they tend to box like a lot through Purgos. And okay. they've got two... Excellent wingers and Duhan and Darcy Graham who can, you know, change the game in the blink of an eye. Darcy went on one charge, uh, but the only sort of decent attacking players were uh, Hugh Jones again, playing at fullback. You know, another position we've not filled. Um, you know, he's he's been sort of 
commandeered in there, conscripted even. Uh, and he's he's looked dangerous because we know he's such a good broken field runner. Mm. Uh, he went on an incredible run in the first half. Um, but I uh, it was there was a lot more negatives than positives. Uh, Gregor Townsend must have been sitting there watching it under his mask, just going, for fuck's sake, <laughs> this is what I've got to pick from, is it? Oh, dear. And uh, um, you, 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 have, you have round two this week as well, don't you? You play, play the uh, Yeah, because we can't travel Sicily. Um, I think we were due to be playing Benetton. Uh, and the well, the first leg, which was meant to have been played after the Exeter game, but can't cancelled. We've got round two coming up. That'll be at Scotston. Um, artificial so, stuff maybe make a difference, but well, so you'll be buzzing with excitement after that first game, as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the artificial surface isn't going to help people catch the bloody ball, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not a lot going on at the moment, it's, it's, it's all a bit dim and gloom up here, <laughs> but um, I will see how that goes. Hopefully, I mean, I've tried to defend them by saying there's obviously a ring rust. Uh, I really feel sorry for Danny Wilson as well. I think he's been, you know, his hands have been tied behind his back, and then they've they've stabbed him as well, so he can't defend himself. Um, he's he's been dealt a pretty shitty hand. Um, uh, turning it round is going to be very difficult. Uh, I'm not convinced we're going to see a classic. I've been wrong before, frequently. Uh, hopefully, I'm wrong this time. Well, I knew that it wasn't a good game because I missed the first half. And so half time I turned it on and Premier were doing their little half time talk and it was cutting to the adverts and the highlight they showed was the one break. And you go, if they haven't even got <laughs> like a moment, so just one break, that was all the and I thought shit, like this is gonna be and it it wasn't an awful game and as much of it was tense. And I kind of think, though, that the longer it went on without Glasgow scoring, the more you thought fucking Edinburgh gonna steal this, Edinburgh gonna win this game. Personally, I always felt like Edinburgh were more likely to come out of a bit of a turgid affair than Glasgow were, and it was a bit turgid. Um, you said about the, the Scottish teams have, have started quite badly um, in a Pro 14, and then you mentioned sort of Gregor's not going to be too happy watching our game. Do you think it'll roll over to the, the national side, or do you think you've got enough players sort of away from those two teams? to drag you back up a little bit when the time comes in February? Well, the main pivot there will be Finn Russell. Um, you know, obviously, yes. there's there's not many. There's there's probably not a 10 like him in the world. Mm. And, you know, when we talked about when people were moaning about the Autumn Nations Cup games being crap and defensive be, always being on top, that's the one guy that, you know, and particularly for Scotland, who you look at and go, and he can unlock defensive because even if you look at when Scotland didn't score that many tries in the 2018 Six Nations I mean watching the highlights of it and I think um, you know, I mean fuck the 38, 38 England game you know, that's the second half was the Finn Russell show and yeah. it built like all the tries scored before that he's he's getting the assists um, there are major concerns um, at 12 at the moment because Sam Johnson who I'm a big fan of he's not in form um, you know, Chris Harris is probably nailed on the 13 shirt, but it's more for his defensive capabilities. He's not you know, much of an attacking threat. Uh, I mean, the, the pack has improved. Um, and they, you know, the forwards seem to be playing okay. But it is those guys, like you said, the exiles, your Russell's, Johnny Gray, Hoggle, he's, um, he's struggling with an injury. Um, 
So that's then opens up the 15 slot, which you would think Kinghorn's the next cab off the rank, but I'm yet to be convinced by Kinghorn. You know, he burst onto the scene, he was really exciting, and he is quite a good um, strike runner, but his decision making's poor, his defence isn't very good, and he doesn't seem to learn from any mistakes. So I think there would even be a shout for Hugh Jones to be playing at 15 at the moment. Hmm. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, there will be a bit more cohesion when they go into Scotland camp. That's if, of course, we get any Six Nations played. Um, I, <laughs> I, yeah, it is a concern that we won't. That that the poor form will carry on to the national team, but I'd hope that you know that the, the sort of the first fifteen, the game changers, the Russells, the Hawks, the Duhans, they can you know the, I hate this phrase, but the X factor players, they have that yeah. X factor and can change a game like that. So, um, Scarlet Dragon, Steph. Well, I was going to say if he hadn't thought that the uh, Scottish games were dire. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even gonna. I, we had a week off, obviously, because Christmas and New Year, and so we decided not to do one. Um, I'm not even gonna talk about Boxing Day. That no, was absolutely fucking horrific. Yep. I'm gonna pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, neither game was particularly a great game. Neither game, particularly. I've got a few standout good things because I decided not to dwell too much on the shit. But then, does, does, thought, the, list, does the list simply start with Sam Foster? Or what? Sam Costello, obviously being one of them, Sam Costello, the future of Welsh rugby now, because every, we've got to have a new future of Welsh rugby, he's the next Barry John, at least he will be by the time Wales Online write an article about him. Um, I Team Basham looked superb and then broke his arm, so that's yeah. that's yeah. I, I think, again, injuries for Welsh players, it, it's, we're hitting a, a crazy point again where they just seem to be building up and building up. Mm-hmm. Um Calabafoni looks like one of the, the best signings of the year, if not for a couple of years. He looks absolutely superb and has turned the Scarlet's round a little bit. His ball carrying is immense. I thought the um, the yellow for the, the Dragons in that game was a bit harsh. Um, for the early tackle or tackle off the ball on Gareth Davis, I think yeah. he, was, he was completely unsighted on it because ah, of the way Gareth you, Davis is running. What you forget to mention is, Steph, is no cards were actually shown. That that's well, they were shown eventually. Um, but yeah, I thought that one was um, was a bit harsh to be honest. When you look yeah, at it, he's not in context, score the prize, he, it's not going to be. But a... I, I, and I think regardless, like, he, he doesn't know that he hasn't got, he hasn't been taken off because he, he, yeah. it looks like that pass has been made, and it doesn't really, as you said, it doesn't really influence the game eventually because he didn't give the pass, he carried into contact, and the next struck mm. was formed. So. I can kind of see why you give it. I think the whole weekend was kind of summed up by um, Eddie Butler spending the first 20 minutes of the Blues game calling Jason Tubby Jason Strange. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that just about sums up was, how you will... I know. It was neat. Yeah, I was I, I was actually toying with putting that on as one of my wankers of the week this week because I did it a couple of weeks ago when Scott Hastings called Jack Lampat for the whole game. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I left that one off. But, yeah, the, that, that game, to be honest... The, the Blues Ospreys game wasn't wasn't great. I think the only thing that really came out of that game of, of note was <clears throat> the card for Dan Lydia. Um Obviously, there's a debate there as to whether it was a card or not. There's a debate as to whether if it's a card, is it yellow or red? As a Blues fan, personally, didn't see anything wrong with it. I don't don't see why. I, I get I get the, the the whole idea of them of, of 
he's made contact, but is it with his neck? I think it's more of his chest and Tavi's going high to tackle him. So technically it could be either or. I, I think he's a very lucky boy. We've seen Reds for less these past couple of years. I think he's very, I, I love Dan Lidiet. He's one of my favourite players to, to play for Wales. I absolutely adore it. I love a good blind side. Um, I, I think he's a very, very lucky boy to have uh, to only got a yellow. And the Tuvy thing, I can't find it. He's tapping up, right? People are calling for for Tuvy for a penalty there and possibly a yellow card because it's the way he's answer. I think it's, it's difficult for him. His body position's awful, Tuvy. But I think his hand catches Lydia in the face because he's being pushed backwards by Lydia's forearm in his throat. So, yeah, it's a bit hard to make sure your tackle technique is right at that point. Yeah, um, yeah I think Lydia was, was a bit lucky to escape. But all in all... The Blues discipline was far worse. Absolutely Terrible. shocking. Yeah. Do they have four players in being by the end? I think so. It was, it was, oh, it, but just a dire game. Like the, the Scarlet Dragons game wasn't a good game by any means. No. And then to follow that up with the Ospreys Blues, Jesus Christ, like, happy new year, lads. I, 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 my New Year's resolution might have been to watch less rugby by the back of those two because it was so horrific. Uh, George North was also one of my pluses yeah, because well. we've already moved on to the Blues Ospreys game. I've, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that he looks a little bit refreshed. He looks like he's getting back to the George that we know he carried very well again. But I've spent, like, since they announced the Rainbow Cup, which is an horrific name, and it's a, a terrible name. Um, Welsh fans thinking that we've got this right to have an Anglo-Welsh league. I know some Welsh fans have gone to it anyway, but Welsh fans thinking that for some reason the Premiership clubs are going to vote for some of themselves to be relegated so we can have a second tier and they can risk the European places to bring four regions across. For absolutely, We're not the diamonds of this league anyway. Like if I was in the English Premiership and I wanted some teams to come across so we can get a second tier, I think I'd be looking at Ireland before I'd be looking at any Welsh regions. This idea that there's some sort of, ah, there's an history and a rivalry there. I don't think there's many England rugby fans who are dying to play a game against any of the Welsh regions. I don't think they could give a flying fuck. So this is a one-sided, one-way, unrequited love where some reason the Welsh fans seem to think that we're bigger than we are and we're better than we are and if we can move across and where this money's going to come from to fund all this I don't know so I think if anyone who was considering that from England and thought it might have been a good idea to watch those games on Saturday they would have been pulling out quicker than any quicker than a Catholic because there is absolutely no way that we are welcome on that side of the border while we're playing like that no. Ian, I don't know if you, you've come across this on Twitter and what your view is as, as a non-Welsh person. Where... Um, yeah, no, I'd echo your sentiments because I've seen it obviously on you know social media that you know there's a, you know, a lot of fans giving it the, oh, you know, I'd much rather, you know, why, do, why would I want to go and watch Monster when I could watch, watch you know, Cardiff play in Gloucester or Bath? Mm-hmm. You know, like, they won't give a fuck, man. <laughs> they, they've, they've, they've got their money. They've got their league. Um, yeah. So like you said, you know, why it's like when, uh, you know, if, if I can switch to the round ball game briefly, um, about the people talk about the old firm joining the English Premiership. You know, I think when it was muted, uh, muted, sorry, um, so only one 
chairman sort of gave it the thumbs up, and that's obviously because they want to protect their finances. Mm. You know, that's um, so I, it's for me, it's a complete non starter. Um, and I mean, hopefully, the South African teams coming in will raise the standard of competition. Um, but at the moment, it looks like it'd just be the Irish teams versus the South African teams, and then the rest of us are fighting out for, for scraps in that, you know, those last couple of European places because they're saying that the South African teams eventually could qualify for Europe, which would just be a, a financial disaster, I think, for the, the Scottish and Welsh teams. Well, I think when we bring them in, I think you're looking at the Sharks and Stormers are, are going to be pushing Leinster, Munster for, well, fucking this season, Ulster, for those top two places pushing for titles. I don't know whether the other two are, to be quite honest. So they haven't started well this season. They haven't really, they've looked a little bit off the pace. For me, I think it's great for people saying that this it's not good for the league. I think I'd love to turn up and watch a, a Friday night game against the Sharks and the Lights. I, that sounds like an absolute fucking dream to me. And uh, people will say about, oh, but they, how many fans are they going to bring in? But how, how many fans are anyone taking away at the minute? Like, it's, oh, but not at the minute, because fucking Lindsay answered at the minute. But, you know, just generally up until COVID struck, it's not like teams are taking masses of fans away anyway. And you've got this sort of football-style atmosphere of, like, that. that's not happening. Like, that's completely unrealistic. So, yeah, it's, it's something that, I just can't see the point of view of us going to England at the minute. And I say, watching the games this week, even more so, we say to England, well, you're bringing the quality teams, the TV money, the sponsorship. Well, are we a fucking charity? Well, what are they hoping that England are going to do? Because I think we'll get knocked back pretty swiftly at the minute. Yeah, it's not, it's not, a, not, a, not an ideal place. And I think, obviously, there's no, <clears throat> there's not much money, obviously, in the game at the minute, is it, when it comes to... To, to Welsh rugby and I think they're trying to get as, as much as they can but <clears throat> I think the um, the South Africans coming in obviously is going to help that playing against like you said the Stormers and when, and when fans come back they're going to want to go and watch the likes of Sia Khaleesi play on a Friday night at Rugby yeah. Parade or whatever and stuff hopefully we can have fans about that point because I think that's probably why they've put because am I right is it something like April to June is going to run isn't it so it runs through sort of the summertime I believe as well, um, yes. Hopefully, fans will be back, or hopefully, we'll have some fans in whether it's back or not, or it's just put it knocked down again. But um, for me, I think it's thinking long term, like regardless mm-hmm. what happens this year. Hopefully, if South Africa comes in and this gives a little bit of traction, then they look at doing it long term. Because I've had the discussion today where people say, well, that's not 10 million they're bringing in because they were already bringing in six million, so it's only four million. Yeah, this season, mm-hmm. but next season, there are no. Cheetahs to play, there are no Southern Kings to play, so it's 10 million or shit all is your options. Yeah. So maybe we need to think more than just the next six months <laughs> and worry about what we're going to do long term. For me, I said, I think it's a great idea, it's got the potential to be fantastic. And if it brings a little bit more money in that teams can boast the squads with a little bit more depth, then maybe we can compete as well. So I suppose the only thing left to mention on the the Wales games and the Wales derbies for the weekend, Steph, is uh, it's a uh, Blues v Scarlets on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean I can pretend to be excited if you want me to. I'm not. To be honest, I, know I, what's I, happen. I, I don't get as excited about derbies as I do the other games. If I'm quite honest, because I've learned from from my mistakes in the past, you get excited for derbies and they end up being absolute fucking dross most of the time. Yeah. So I'll, um, especially because like the only time. 
a derby's really been exciting is when an underdog has won. And at the moment, I think the Scarlets are, are the, the main team in Wales, so we can only get knocked off our pitch. <laughs> so I'm not going to take any enjoyment from our factor either. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note then, <clears throat> let's go across to Laidlaw, shall we? Yeah. So time for the most tenuously named feature in a weekly rugby podcast. It's time for Laidlaw and Order. Order in court. This week's subject, Dan Lydiot, will he play for Wales again? Over to you, Steph. As I've already said once in this podcast, I am an absolutely huge fan of Dan Lydiot. One of my favourite players to ever pull on a Welsh jersey, an absolute legend and a proper blindside, not a seven that we've moved across or eight that we've tried to convert to one or a five that's a six, a proper blindside. And on a personal level, as I mentioned before, he did me a good in and done a video for my girlfriend for a birthday on the back of an Instagram message. So I love the guy. And undoubted quality still. Still playing fantastically well for the Ospreys. Looking superb week in, week out. And I realise they're doing their job for you because the time has come to call time on Dan Lydia's international career. He's done. I don't see what we gain from bringing him back now. We've got an abundance of back row options, even with the numerous injuries that keep piling up. And I know there's a lot. I don't see the advantage of bringing in a 33-year-old into a new regime. We'll be 35 when the next World Cup rolls around. And it's a throwback to the previous regime. He's an important figure in that Gatland era, that back row of him, Falatau, Warburton. Falatau's been incredible to keep going as long as he has. But I don't think bringing him in under the new system is going to help at all. There's probably four players in the Dragons alone that we're going to look at playing at six first. And for the same reason that even though Priestland might be the best Welsh player at the moment, and even though he's signed him for the Blues, he won't be part of the Welsh setup either because they're at that age where it's time to let it go. And there's no means for sentimentality in international rugby. Otherwise, we'd make him captain and play him for the next fucking 10 years. But we're looking to usher in a new Wales and a future to at least the World Cup to be built on. And so it's time to accept that the ship has sailed on Lydia. His time is done. And if you want that sentimentality, if you want that final piece of sentiment that you can cling on to, know that his last game for Wales was one of those rarest of creatures, a tight win against Australia. And he came off for Ellis Jenkins which if that wasn't the extra of the changing of the guard and the end of an era, I don't know what was. He's already had his perfect international ending. Leave him rest this time, Mr. Dunn. Don't call it up. Okay. So, he may be 33. He may not have played for Wales for a number of years. But there are, there are many other options Wales could have once everyone's fully fit. But that's because they're younger and not solely due to them playing better. Those guys currently, for me, that are fit, aren't anywhere as aren't playing as well as anywhere anywhere as well as what Lydia is. His tackle stats are phenomenal. The Welsh defence wasn't the best in the COVID Cup and having someone like him would have definitely helped. Um, and obviously you can mention the fact of when it comes to the, the COVID Cup as we like to call it, um there was players that were injured in, in his position and he didn't even get a look in the likes of Jim Botham, the likes of Shane Lewis who's got called up, I understand that. But if Wales had a World Cup tomorrow and you had to pick the best 15 Welsh qualified players to start the match on current form, Dan Lydiot has to start at six. Um, Dan Lydiot in that Wales pack gives leadership, never say die attitude, and he's someone that has never let Wales down. My final point on this matter is 
Dan Lidiot has 64 caps for Wales, and yet he is playing better now at club level than he ever did before and doesn't get picked for, inter for international. His form now for Ospreys is better than it ever was for Dragons and Racing, in my opinion. I don't understand it. I think it has to change. Currently picking a 30-odd man squad for the Six Nations. If it goes ahead, Dan Lidiot has to be there on form. And I'm saying all this after I sent him a message on Instagram yesterday to ask for his opinion on this, and he hasn't replied. Well, quite rightly so. I hope he wouldn't reply. He's not an egotistical man. If you'd asked him to do a favour for someone else, he would have replied, as we found out. Um, but it's not a World Cup tomorrow. It's a World Cup in two years, and he's 35 and a World Cup rolls round. And he's so, not playing better at a club level than he did then. I think he is. I think, <laughs> I think, I think his ability prime. now at club level is miles better than it ever was for the Dragons or Racing. So, Ian, you. your decision. Um. I would have to side with Grav on this one because if he's, like you said, his age and there's the World Cup isn't tomorrow, like you rightly said. Uh, I mean, Scotland this summer called back Blair Cowan for some bizarre reason, who is apparently <laughs> like playing the best rugby of his career, he, he reckons. But picking a 34-year-old man just to fill a jersey seems seems like folly, really. It was just to give Hamish Watson a rest, I think, more than anything. Um I think it would have to be a extremely dire situation because there are a lot of good um, flankers uh, playing for Wales. You know, you can have Navidi in there. He seems to be able to fit anywhere across the back row. There's Moriarty, there's Wainwright, there's uh, James Botham and a lot of teams now as well are going for this sort of dual open side um, kind of combo at 6-7. Um, so, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't see the value in it. Even if he is playing like out of his skin, um, I don't particularly see any value in, in that in picking him because of his age. Even while Alan Jones is still getting picked, but you know he's he's a fucking colossus. Um, and well, what are Wales's lock options like? Actually, I don't think they're they're not particularly sick. Wrong. sick. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's a difference as well from Alan Jones being continuously one of the best players in that international setup to a player dropping out and then being called back up at his age. Like if Lydia had continuously been in there now, then you would say, yeah, maybe he doesn't deserve to be dropped because of his age. I think to call a player back into a new regime is a big shout and a wrong one. You're off on a stinker. Yeah. That's four in a row you've lost. <laughs> Especially with the way that, you know, Pivak likes his team to play. Um, yeah. Whereas Lydia, it's more your sort of cart horse maybe would be a... A suitable sort of description. Um, whereas, you know, Pivak will want players who can play ball, get into breakdown quickly, and, and maybe force a turnover, especially with the new turnover laws. Um, yeah, he was a great player. Um, maybe not one of the best of all time, like Stephen Jones suggested he was, and put him in his World 15. <laughs> and then me slacking him off on the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast got me blocked on Twitter after him. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I. Uh, I wouldn't see the value in it. I don't think he will get picked. It would have to be a extreme, you know. <laughs> well, uh, it'd be a, you know a sort of injury spree, um, which with Moriarty and Falato involved is, is pretty possible. Um, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he will be picked, and I don't think it would be wise to pick him either. So I'm sorry, Ryan, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm used. I'm used to losing this one. <laughs> That's Lee Lord order. Bang, there's, there's my gavel going bang bang. Fucking sentences passed.
well, well, we finish that on a, uh, on a on a high note, um, on a comedy note, I suppose. The uh, next subject, Steph, is certainly nothing to laugh at. No, um, it was going to go in the, the news, and I thought it was a bit dismissive to just include her in the news because it's, it's something a bit bigger as well that's been dragging on for quite a while now. So on the back of the Dragons game, um, there was another racist troll account uh, set up on Twitter and sent abuse directly to Ashton Hewitt. Um, that's now being forwarded to the police, which is absolutely fantastic to see like the correct steps being taken on it. It's absolutely abhorrent and disgraceful and something we've seen too often of late for me. Uh, whether it's people complaining about players taking the knee, which always seems to have that undertone of racism despite people trying to make it something else, or people um, leaving comments about uh, pictures of Muslim people in the Lions shirts as part of the kit launch. And people have left abusive messages or calling it out or trying to make some sort of fucking ill-advised comment. It is absolutely ridiculous that we've got to the levels we are. And we talked about earlier this bullshit around rugby, hashtag rugby values that we keep seeing bandied around everywhere because people don't shout at a ref during a game, but it's all right to leave racist comments or send racist things to players. And then, again, we, we talk about rugby being a game for all, and yet we've got a black player on the pitch and so people think it's okay to send him fucking abuse on, on social media or from the stands or from wherever it may be. And we had the and Bafana earlier in the year, which is the one I alluded to with regards to the homophobic comments as well. That all started off as racist comments and racist jokes made in a WhatsApp group towards him and him coming out and saying, well, this isn't acceptable. And fair play, the lad, he must have taken... We've all been in that situation around yeah. rugby where we put in an awkward situation where someone's making an inappropriate joke. And I think a lot of the time you just leave a wash over your head because you think it's a little bit easier. And fair play, the lad, he came out and, and made it public and said it wasn't acceptable. And then, obviously, we've got the Matera thing earlier this year, and he's the news came out this week that he's now having training, seemingly to not be a racist, which uh, it is pretty special training if you've got to be trained to not be a racist. So, yeah, I, it's just something that has really stuck in my crawl this week because along with a few other things, it's something we don't seem to be moving on from, things that we don't seem to be improving on. And we keep talking about values and a game for all. And yet here we are again, back at that place where we're excluding people or victimising people or calling people out in the game. And it's absolutely fucking disgraceful. So I just wanted to have a little, bring that up for us to discuss. A little rant. Ian, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously there's no place for for racism in sport or in in general life. Um, And I've, you know, I I, I saw what had happened. You know, Ashton, it's quite like... I mean, I hate to use the term out the word outspoken to makes it sound like people use the word feisty to describe him. Um, but you know, he's he's right to, to point these things out, completely right. And what I never will understand is whatever team this fucking cunt supports, right? Is he trying to suggest that there's never been a player or a person of colour who's played for his team and who he's supported to the hilt? You know, even I'm just trying to figure out maybe players or uh, people of colour or even mixed race who've played for Wales, you know, College Jarvis. Uh, Josh Navidi, you know these guys have fucking put their lives on and bodies on the line for Wales, um, and so we're, well, we're assuming this guy's Welsh, you know, just because why else would he target Ashton Hewitt in particular? Yeah. Um, but you know we see it happen to Marcus Rashford, 
uh, Lewis Hamilton and, and um, you know, the, they'll keep politics out of sport. Lot. Why the fuck do you think there's a government department for sport? You fucking moron. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's abhorrent and it's, there is, unfortunately, as well, a bunch of people still with their, their heads up their arses or in the sand about this. Um, I'm an admin on the Scottish Rugby Forum on Facebook, and I mean, somebody pointed out some sort of discussion about you know, players taking the knee and, and racism in rugby, and someone's like, oh, we don't have a, a racism problem in rugby in Scotland. I was like, for fuck's sake, a Hoyt player got banned for 10 weeks last season for um, racial abuse on the pitch. And I think, was it, was it Bridge End were playing? Did they not pull their team yeah. off as well? Yeah, everyone left the pitch. Yeah, which is the, the right action to take, I think. Um, and until it's I, properly stamped out, uh, and again, it also falls, you know, it's different sort of kettle of fish, but the whole clubhouse culture, you know, where you used to be, people yeah. thought they just banter and all that shit, isn't just banter. It's really deeply personal and deeply offensive. Um, and it's particularly what this article did to Ashton Hewitt, because it's just, so, it's not even subtle or anything, it's just fucking horrific. Yeah. I mean, I saw it and I, I just refused to retweet it because I don't want to give it airtime. I just well, yeah. passed mention to it. Um, yeah, I, I hope that the police are able to track uh, this guy down, track and trace. Hopefully, they're not going to be using the Tories for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, they, they catch this fucker and he's uh, summarily dealt with. Or I think the best way to deal with it would be there you go, Ashton, you get five free digs at him. Well, I think Ashton, <laughs> would. Ashley would said he wants to sit down and talk to him and have a discussion about why he thinks it's acceptable. Yeah. Which I think is, is somewhat even worse if you want to feel like the naughty school kid to be sat down by a rugby player and talked about why your views are wrong. And like and surely you must you must know. Like you, you can't genuinely think that that's acceptable or a point of view to hold in twenty twenty one. Like surely we've if, moved on there. If it's just for attention, you're a pathetic little rat. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Get out of your basement. Well, not 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 now. Stay in the basement. There's COVID out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just stay off the computer. Stop being racist, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. At the end of the day, there's no place for it, is it? Anyway, like you said. Okay, so Steph. So shall we move on? Yeah, we'll move on to our uh, as yet untitled quiz of the week. So. Uh, We've got another Ironman lower for this week, so okay. keep it nice and easy. Uh, mostly because I spent a couple of days when I was I can't think of what quiz we can do because we've got a big quiz coming up and I've used up a lot of my good questions on the big quiz we got coming up next week. So we're going to do an Ironman lower and I thought we'd do it on the heaviest players playing uh, international rugby. Okay. So essentially I'll give you a player. You tell me whether the player is heavier or lighter than the player I give you. So I'll start in player is a big lad, Will Skelton, who's 21 stone three, according to his stats. And we're going to move on to Paul Valenzi. And we're going to say he's heavier or lighter than Will Skelton's 21 stone three. I'm going to lighter. I reckon Valenzi's maybe about 19 stone. Because Skelton's yeah. a big, tall lad as well, and 21 stone, fuck it, that's Big boy. Will, Will Hems, yeah, I reckon he's about 18 and a half, 19, so he's lower. He's lower by one pound. <laughs> he's 21 stone two. Christ. So, yeah, I will say they're all big lads. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll keep it, we'll go Scottish for the next one. So, uh, one of the Grey brothers, Richie. 
Is he heavier or lighter than Valenzi's 21 stone 2? Lighter, I'm pretty sure yeah. he's 19 and a half or something like that. We're going lighter, both yeah. of us? Yeah. yeah. He is lighter, he's 19 stone 8. Uh, back to France, and uh, I'll have to pronounce it Eddie Butler style because otherwise it's Demba Bomba. Is Demba Bomba heavier or lighter than 19 stone 8? Obviously, Richie Gray's got a lot of height in there as well. And I'm going heavier. I'm going lighter. Just. He's just lighter. 19 stone five. Uh, Sticking with the front row, we're going to skip over to Wales. Leon Brown. Heavier or lighter than Demba Bombas. 19 stone 5 Lighter See I, I'm, tempted, I'm tempted to say lighter as well But then There's been a lot of lighters So by the law of averages <laughs> I'm tempted to say higher um, I'll go lighter as well Oh you should have stuck with you going heavier Ah fuck <laughs> He's 19 stone 8 The same as Richie Gray uh, From one Welsh front row to the next Reese Carey if you're a lighter. I mean this in the best possible way because I am in no slim gym myself. But having seen them both play at the weekend, I think Reese Carey is heavier because Leon Brown looks like he's got a lot of muscle there, whereas Carey appears to be carrying a bit of a muffin top, and I know I can't talk. Well, surely muscle weighs more Muscles, than fat. Muscle's heavier than fat, yeah. Um, I'm going to go heavier as well. Both going heavier? Yeah. He is heavier. 21 stone 7. He's a big lad. He's a big lad. Uh, The next one, Exeter, England, and this is his week without his tinfoil hat on. Uh, Harry Williams. Is Harry Williams heavier or lighter than Reese Carey? Lighter. I think he's heavier. He's exactly one stone lighter. He's 20 stone seven. That evens it up four pieces. Oh, that's equaliser, yeah. <laughs> uh, Irish forward, Andrew Porter. Heavier or lighter than Harry Williams. How heavy was Williams? He was 20 stone and seven pounds. Uh, lighter. Yeah. Lighter. Lighter piece, he is lighter. 18 something, I say, 18, nine. He's 198. I got my eights and my nines mixed up, that's all. <laughs> uh, Welsh prop, Will Griff John. Is he heavier or lighter than Andrew Porter? Will Griff John, that's the sail one, isn't it? That's what? The sail one. Yeah. Heavier, because I remember them saying he was a tallest, heaviest prop or something that Wales had had when he played for us. So I'm going to go heavier. Oh, yeah, cheers for that. I'll go heavier as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I think perhaps you want to give your explanations after he has a guess. <laughs> You'd be shit. <laughs> Quite sure. He is heavier. He's 22 stone exactly. Oof. So we've got... Like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, as well. And... I think he's a handsome bastard for a prop. I'll exactly. tell you that much. He's a good-looking guy with arms to die for. Um, number nine. You and I, Antonio... French prop. 
Is he heavier or lighter than Will Griff John's 22 stone? Lighter. Yeah, lighter than 22. I'd say he's 20-something. What was Will Griff John? 22? 22, exactly. Heavier, but just like 22, 4-ish. He's 22, 9. Oof. So... We'll put it all down. Five points on the last one because you know I like to put <laughs> yeah, a bit of pressure on. Crucial countdown like, random. Yeah, I like to put a bit of pressure on the last question. So heavier or lighter than Unai Antonio is the binger of bongs himself, <laughs> Max Evans. But obviously that's too easy. So it's Max Evans plus the average weight of a dancing on ice female skater. So together... You mean crazy, they... crazy Max Evans that played for Scotland? Crazy Max Evans, who's yeah. dancing on ice supremo. Bing bong. Is he, is he, plus his dance partner from Dancing on Ice, heavier or lighter than Unai and Antonio? Oh, fuck. That's something. Um, see, cause I reckon Max Evans is maybe about... Well, well playing weight would have been about 14-odd. And you'd expect figure skaters to be light, but they have to be quite muscular. And we've already ascertained that muscle is heavier than, uh, weighs more than fat. Uh, I'm going to eat... How much about 22.9? 32.9. Uh, slightly heavier. By like lighter. a pound or something. Lighter. You're going lighter? Hmm. I can tell you Max Evans when he was playing was 13 stone 8. The average weight of a dance on ice skater is 7 stone 7. So, so yeah, I'm like that again. I'm guessing so, I'm guess the average st- weight of the female competitors in dancing on ice. Uh, seven, seven, well, that's what you work. See, seven, 7 stone 7 is their average weight. So uh, 21 stone 1. Well, and also, they are like the. So you'll take this one, Rolly. Congratulations! I finally take the quiz. Not like the one we had last time. What was the one last? Um, which rugby player has shagged these women? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was romantic connections. I think you'll find. Don't debase it. <laughs> right. Um, sure, so... there was dinner and movie dates and all sorts. <laughs> well, one of them was for the Guardian's uh, first date feature, or whatever that's called. <laughs> So we end the pod like we end every week, Steph, and talking about this week's winners and wankers. Um, Ian, we'll let, let you have a go first. Let's let's start on winners. Well, uh, we discussed him briefly earlier. Uh, George Ford. Uh, I thought he had an excellent game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'd never rated him. I just thought people were maybe sort of. Overhyping him a bit, but uh, no, he was tremendous. Um, and he has, you know, I think I've seen more of him than, than just international matches. I do think he's a very good player. Um, so I'll say he's a winner this week. Um, and obviously, you know, it's, it's his boot that really helped uh, Leicester win that game against Bath when they, for all intents and purposes at the start, especially, they looked like they were goosed. Yeah. Steph? A couple of winners for me, uh, Connaught, obviously, for, for coming up Trumps and beating Leinster, so um, most of us can enjoy. Uh, Alex Cobisiero for these videos he's put out, breaking down the scrum, 
yeah. which I thought were absolutely superb. And if you could have a word with uh, World Rugby about doing some of these sessions with referees, that'd be fucking great. And uh, my final one, Jerome Kaino, who called time on his career while uh, between recordings, and what a career it was! One of one of the most underrated players to have played for the All Blacks in, in the professional era, I think. So yeah, Jerome Kaino as well for me. Uh, another winner, actually. Um, maybe of interest to you lads, Gareth Anscombe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Back in training. Nice. He obviously won't be playing for Wales, but uh, it's, um, I'm sure you appreciate what he. Yeah. Played. Great to see those chicken legs moving again. <laughs> for me, I actually picked the front row as my winners this week. Um, it's I've got Ellis. Actually, I, I have. I have. I have <laughs> got Ellis Genge, simply superb in that game for Leicester on Sunday. Um, we mentioned it earlier. Kyle Sinclair, obviously, for me, changed the game when he came on. Um, completely dominated the, the, the Newcastle pack and and it, as a hooker we ca- surely cannot pick anyone else and it's rugby related Gerwin Price he <laughs> Wales' first darts uh, world champion on the PDC last night obviously fairly local boy to where me and Steph are from um, former I, Glasgow Warriors as well he is yeah, yeah yes. that, was, that was brought up today which is fantastic for him um, great to see him obviously win the, the World Championship yesterday and as, uh, as a friend of mine and Steph's mentioned yesterday that 500 grand is going to win him is going to get him a chance to buy a few more houses in Markham which having looked at the average price of Markham that's probably a couple of streets let alone a couple of houses but <laughs> you could probably buy Markham <laughs> um, but yeah I, I well, while we're talking because as well I'm going to throw uh, Kroska for, for the base I forgot yeah. um, a brilliant performance for a young lad in a not an easy position to play at such a young age. So, but yeah, fair play to Kesey. He's done. Uh, he's done really well for himself. A local boy with not much and everything. He's trained his hand to. He's he's managed to pull off. So fair play to the lad. Seems to calm down a bit as well. Because <laughs> you know there was well him and Gary Anderson seem to fucking hate each other. <laughs> well, they seem to have seen because Gary Anderson spent a lot of time laughing every time he did this sort of. Getting a little bit diped up and yeah. screaming, and Gary Anson sees the funny side now because he did say they'd had a little talk and put it all behind them. I they said, oh. um, "What are you expecting for the final?" To Gary Anderson, and he said, yeah. "I'll be quiet. He'll be loud." <laughs> I quite like Gary Anderson. Yeah, yeah like connection, but he seems like a decent guy. That, I mean, that whole thing about who farted on stage. <laughs> yeah, superb. <laughs> Recently, um, <laughs> Um, and then we'll go on to um, wankers. Then um, Steph, who's your wankers this week? Um, my wankers are what seem to be a never-ending list of injuries, and especially reoccurring injuries to players. Uh, Scott Williams injured again, being another one. That's absolutely shit. And then the biggest wankers of all are the racist pricks on social media. So, yeah, I'll say no more on that because I think we covered enough with arseholes. I thought you were going to say Exeter Chiefs there. But no, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ian, you're one kid as well. Can we go over the Austin Healy try to get Matt Scott yellow carded thing? I mean, <laughs> like, see, when we were going to be talking about um, concussion stuff, I was trying to actually look this up. I saw something, I couldn't find the article, but I read it a couple of years ago. Uh, some of the players were somewhat forty odd percent more likely to be yellow carded for a deliberate knock on than a head hit. Yeah. Um, so that's Bonkers. oh shit. It's about like Matt Scott's had a decent chance of catching that, and it's right fair enough. It's maybe a penalty, um, but I mean, just this insistence to yellow card everyone that's 
done a deliberate knock on. I mean, I'd, I'd mentioned in a tweet yesterday to you, Ryan, um, when Duncan Taylor got yellow carded against Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Because um, if, if he doesn't put his arm out, he's going to hit Aki with his shoulder. So there's an no arms tackle. He's like, he's, he's about fucking half a foot away from him. And by the time Aki actually hits the pass, it hits Duncan Taylor in the elbow. Yeah. No, he's that close to making the tackle. Um, cause I, I wouldn't call that a deliberate knock on him whatsoever at all. Uh, and I'll never forgive Craig Joubert for 2015. It wasn't just the. <laughs> you know what? It was the, when, when. No, it's Ben Skeen's. Ben, ben Skeen, cause I, I've got issues with Ben Skeen. When he kept on, he said that Sean Maitland should be yellow carded for a deliberate knock on. Um, Maitland was very close to catching that. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's just, just this desire to yellow card. Yeah, I think they were deep in their own half as well. It's not like there was a, a try scoring opportunity on. Yeah. I get it if you've got a two man overlap and you deliberately knock a ball on there, fair enough, give it. But they were they were deep, deep in there. They might have even been in their own twenty two or on the edge of mean the, the Leicester, the Leicester game. Yeah, the Leicester one. Yeah, they were. Um, but often he was saying, "Oh, you know, there was possibly a, an overlap on there." Yeah, but they're still going to have to charge eighty meters up the pitch. Yeah, um, and defeat covering defense. No, I'm with you on that one. And I mean, I don't want to pick him up, but Austin Davies will wank him most weeks, isn't he? And also, Eddie Jones, just because I don't like Eddie Jones anytime, like all year round. He's a wanker every week, isn't he? Uh, it's an evergreen wankers in Austin Davies and Eddie Jones. <laughs> right, one of the last games I managed to get to go through was Scotland, England, played in the squall in Murrayfield uh, in the Six Nations last year. And for him to suggest that a Scotland fan was able to throw a cup at you know, one of his coaching staff when it's like a 60 mile an hour gale <laughs> for fuck's sake you yourself it's probably just an empty cup that had been left on the concourse and the wind's just caught it and went Foof. but he's just but, always like throwing these bombs at these hand grenades like oh Scotland fans spit at us and all was a shitty little place fucking blah 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 it's like stop winding people up <laughs> If the Scotland fan was able to hit Eddie Jones from that far away with the cup, can you check his ancestry to see if he's got any Welsh heritage? Because we're like, really short of hookers at the minute, so that'd be fun. Have you seen the state we've of Scotland's darts? Scotland's darts are terrible. Their line-out's gone to shit. Uh, everyone, everyone since they've come back from the break, can't hit a line-out. This is absolutely... I think England have perhaps been the best, but the best uh, of a bad bunch. The Scotland-Wales match you can forgive because that was also really ridiculously yeah. windy. Um so a lot of them in squint. I think there should maybe be some kind of, there should be a, a bit of leeway for that kind of thing because what it leads to is then a scrum set piece. So you're just ending up with half a match of set pieces, and it's like you, you can't ask some, you know, you can't ask somebody to throw something straight into a hurricane. No. I mean, uh, with with one of them, uh, I can't remember if it was Elias went to throw into the wind and then the wind died down, and so it was given off straight there. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I, don't know, I play um, PGA golf on my PlayStation. So you're like trying to adjust for the window. It's like, all oh, right, there we go. That should. Oh no, fuck the wind's changed. Into <laughs> 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 the bunker. <laughs> um, so my three, we've actually already touched on um, this week. So the idiot who decided to send more racist abuse to Ashton Lewitt, and now uh, we can group with that any other racists, I suppose, together. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the TMO in the Gloucester and Sale game who decided. That the hit on Harris shouldn't didn't need to be checked. Therefore, throwing Dixon under the bus and make getting him sort of blamed for something he couldn't even see himself. And finally, Bobby Boucher for not sticking to his job of providing quality H two O and picking up the ball in front of Billy Trailfreeze. And uh, he should have just fucking carried on doing his job, shouldn't he? 
That's my I think. See, I, I just might be controversial, but I think of the two, uh, Billy Twelve Trees is probably the bigger wanker for reacting. Whereas if he doesn't react, and he, I think perhaps something would have been done there, but he reacts and so instantly loses the penalty and, and throws away any shot they had to win in a game. So for me, Twelve Trees is the bigger wanker. If wanker or not, he's, he's just won you a game by touching a ball. That's quality. I might delay. If I'm a might a game in my local park, and one of our water carriers touches the ball and stops and taking a quick line out, I might delay. It's fucking too right I am. So they're making a difference. This is the Premiership. I was doing but, a I was doing a Glasgow Hawks match. Um, well, it's now last year. God, uh, Glasgow Hawks were playing um, Mar rugby club in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah. And Craig Redpath is the the Mar coach Craig Redpath who was on the bench in the 1990 Grand Slam winning match yeah. he tried to stop Glasgow Hawks taking a quick line out and one of their players came over and shoved him <laughs> used to like to get the ball off him and then I was doing an interview with a Hawks player a couple weeks later a guy, young guy called Ryan Sweeney who was meant to be playing Super 6 by now but yeah. um, and I was like oh man who was that he was like oh that was me I was just fed up with his shite <laughs> <laughs> fucking <That's> <laughs> So winner of the week then this week is Ryan, Ryan Sweeney. <laughs> oh, no, I, we'll give it to Ashton Hewitt <laughs> for calling it everyone else's sh- for calling it racist shit. Yeah, fair play to him. Steph, there's only one thing left to do, isn't it? Yeah, massive thank you to Ian for coming on. Hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on again and should we ever get a Six Nations game we'll, we'll see if we can bring on for Scotland. Thanks to anyone who's listening. Yeah, all, all, listening. All, all four of you. Well, we've been eating... <laughs> Decent dish now, we're all right, but uh, yeah, thanks to everyone. Oh, the gentlemen, thank you for having me. Ah, oh, perfect. Um, I'll be glad to come back on, um, because I can get a drink in a swear. <laughs> oh, a drink in a swear is always welcome. You've been listening to Rock and Roll in association with health and adversity, tackling mental health together. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.